Welcome back to The State of Education with Melvin Adams. In the conclusion of our interview with Tom McCracken, we'll be hearing thoughts on faith, curriculum, and how teachers can change communities. Tom is also passionate about eliminating bullying from our schools and has some concluding thoughts on the issue. You know, school boards are, I mean, they are the neck that turns the head from hiring to curriculum to so many things. I mean, budgets, so many things tie in there. And a lot of times these are all issues that parents are concerned about. And, you know, rather than having the adversarial type approach, you know, engagement, as you were saying, engagement, get involved, know what's going on, be informed, and not just as an adversary, but also as an advocate Yes. Every, everywhere you can. But as far as running for school board or being appointed, um, talk a little bit more about that, because a lot of people, they say, well, you know, how would I even go about that? Yeah. So um, back in 2015, we found out one of our, um, our representative in the Catawba Valley District of Roanoke County, which is the largest demographically, was stepping down. He was going to retire. He'd been doing it for many, many years. And um, you know, I remember my wife and I talking and, and I, I had never been involved in anything like that, politics or, or any office. Um, but I knew I was passionate about education. I knew my kids were, uh, had gone through that school district and I wanted to be involved. And, you know, there's a big difference between sitting at home and criticizing all the bad things that happen um, and getting involved and actually initiating change internally. And so yeah. I, I decided to, to research it and find out what a school board does. Um, and you're right. Uh, if you look at the National School Board Association, the primary directive of school boards is policy, period. Um, in fact, when you go through training, they tell you don't go to local schools and, and, and get involved with teachers and hiring coaches and things. That's not your job. Your job is policy. Leave that up to the educators. And yet the truth is that's exactly what school board members do. They're walking the halls. They're involved in the meetings with who's going to be the next coach of the big football team. They're very engaged and very involved, which means they have a lot of power and influence. But in a way, but in a way they need to be, because if you're not engaged, you have no understanding of what's really going on. So what policy is happening? Is policy being implemented and so forth? But carry on. I, I, and, and I was, I was that guy. I mean, our, we had a local school. I was on the front page news many, many times because I was so involved in um, a, a lot of the things that were, that were happening. And I got, I got my hand slapped a lot by the school board attorney and, and other people for being too involved. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I think that was an opportunity. If I'm representing 20 plus thousand people that, that put me in office, I need to have my thumb on the pulse to a degree to represent them honestly with integrity. So um, you're right. So I think that's what the school board is. And I, th- I think people have a tremendous, not only um, a responsibility, but an opportunity to be involved at that level. Um, and, you know, it opened up my eyes to a lot. Um, but the, the, to be an agent of change on a local school board, I, I don't think that it's it, it, the power there, the, the, uh, engagement there. So every parent, anybody that I have a friend of mine that's going to be running for office for the school board in the position that I that I left years ago, um, he's going to be running for. It. And I think a few people are. He's not an educator. He does not have an education in education. Um, he, he was a school resource officer. He's a sheriff's deputy, but he's a dad with kids and he wants to be involved and make a difference. 
Um, and I think the school board is a tremendous opportunity for that. Um, and if it's not a school board to run for office, um, and, and, you know, listen, I'd never been involved in politics before. I, I was a pastor um, and I had people, I had two running against me, one in particular that um, had, had so much more experience in budgeting and financing and business. Um, and because of my faith that was used against me in the campaign, even the Roanoke Times was upset that a pastor was running for office. I had somebody pull a gun and threaten to come to our church and, and, and finish me because, uh, you know, do you want to be a pastor or a politician? That, that's not right. But again, I, our country was founded, our educational system, every university except like the Virginia, Virginia University of Virginia was founded by ministers and, and people of faith. Um, that wanted to be involved and had a desire. And so even though everybody was against me and I didn't get any endorsement, I still won. And I, I really believe it's because um, people don't want to see that expert. They want to see somebody like them represent them and be involved. And so there's definitely a possibility of, of running and winning. Um, but again, even if it's, if it's other things, I've helped with special Olympics at local schools. I've, I've helped feed teachers at local schools. I've helped after prom parties at local schools, whatever you can do to be involved. It, it's an investment of your time, even if it's sacrificial, um, that will absolutely make a tremendous difference in the lives of your child and their other stakeholders. So let's talk a little bit more now about teachers and let's, let's be an advocate for teachers. That's your heart. That's my heart. And, uh, you know, uh, they are such an important part of our society. Talk to us a little bit about advocate for teachers just a little bit in a, in a general sense uh, you have overall, but some specifics, um, you know, the heart of the teacher. We can't really paint everything with a broad brush, but I agree that the majority of teachers out there are in it for the right reason, wherever they're working. And, and I, let me just say this, no Webster Educational Foundation, we are about education, period. It's not about public school. It's not about private school or faith-based schools or charter schools or home schools. All of these are important parts of the dynamic of education in this country. Yes. They all have their place. And our interest, our hope is that all of them can get better because as, as education improves, it makes us a stronger country. It equips our young people for life. And as they are better equipped for life, it serves the whole of society. So advocate for a little. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm a fan of teachers. I'm a huge fan of teachers um, as the founding pastor of our church. And it's a small to mid-sized church. I mean, 300 members is not huge. But over the past 15 years that we've been a church, we have donated $250,000 um, to educational issues like um, teacher resources, teacher appreciation days, um, bikes to kids, whatever it may be, uh, landscaping outside of schools. Um, and, and so I am, a, I am a huge fan and a huge advocate of our teachers, whether uh, it's a homeschool teacher, a private school teacher, a public school teacher. We all have the exact same agenda and we have the same mission. Uh, and that is to see these young people that are, that are struggling in a very difficult culture. I believe as a student, our students today are less equipped, resourced, and going through much more socially, culturally, relationally, financially than, than I was when I was a student. Um, I think kids just have it very difficult right now. And what they need are teachers 
um, and parents and people in their lives that are positive role models and, and, and influencers. Um, and, and so again, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I think that um, you know to advocate for teachers is to make aware. I think it's an awareness issue and a communication issue. I think the average parent, the average person, again, has a, a misperception um, I wrote a blog, um, and it's on my website, pastorunity.com. I wrote a blog, and, and one of my blogs one time was, uh, teachers get paid too much. And of course, that was just a shock and awe to get people to read it. Um, you know, my wife um, is one of the hardest working people I know. And for years, and I'm, I'm, not, um, I, I'm not exaggerating, she would leave the house at 6, 6.30 in the morning as a public school educator. And there are times during the week, the earliest she would be home is like six at night. There are times she'd be home at nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. There were a couple of times she were coming home at one or two in the morning. Listen, she was really working. When a school is going through certain things and certain transitions, a teacher just doesn't teach in a classroom. They have other responsibilities. They have bus duty. They have lunch duty, cafeteria duty. They have band and drama rehearsals. They have uh, performances sometimes that are out of district and sometimes even out of state sports, uh, prom duty. My wife just did prom duty. She works all day and then she does prom duty at night. Um, I mean, being a, an educator is a tough job and the pay doesn't change. You don't get bonuses for these things. Uh, you're not paid hourly. Um, and yes, you have the summers off, but again, your, your pay reflects that. And so I just think it's an awareness. I, I, I would I, I would love people to read that blog, I, I think, because I give it an indication of what the hours are and, and what they do each day. Um, I, I, I just think folks just need to sit down maybe even and talk to a teacher and, you know, give me an idea of what your, your day looks like. Teachers are amazing, in my opinion. They're one of our absolute heroes. And we have heard so much through the pandemic, rightfully so, about first responders. We absolutely need to put the spotlight on our teachers um, because they don't have any control. If their school district says at day one of the pandemic, we're doing in-person instruction. Those teachers had to be there. I served as a substitute teacher, October, November, and December in the midst of this pandemic when it was really scary and the numbers were very high in Virginia. And I was serving as substitute teacher because teachers were scared and they were calling in. I, I, I don't want to go in. I can't go in. I, I have the COVID. My husband has COVID. Um, and so there was this huge surplus, a uh, the, 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 uh, uh, vacuum that was created and kids didn't have teachers. And so I jumped in there and put a mask on and, and I did what I needed to do, like Martin Luther and the Reformation during the bubonic plague. Uh, yeah. our, our kids are, are at need. And so, um, you know, I just think even through the pandemic, our, our teachers were highlighted. They, they're not doing what they're doing for the money. They're doing what they're doing out of a love for kids and uh, we need to encourage them. We need as not just parents, but as a society, advocate for better pay, for better benefits, um, for more teachers, um, for continuing education for our teachers, uh, to work on scheduling so that a teacher isn't there for 12, 14 hours a day, eating lunch while they're walking down a hall. Um, there's a lot of reform, I think, that needs to take place um, to, to really have our teachers respected and appreciated for who they are and what they do. So no Webster Educational F Foundation has five core focuses that we, that we dig into. Uh, the first is instruction. And, you know, that's 360, everything related to instruction. 
um, parenting, uh, the role of parents in education. Uh, the third one is the role of government in education. The fourth is faith and morality in education. Um, you know, a lot of times in schools, they, you know, public system, they're trying to expunge anything like that. And, you know, but, but it's part of who humanity is. Uh, they have that metaphysical dynamic. And uh, so, you know, that cannot function in a vacuum. Uh, and then the last, of course, is facilities. So is there anything you'd like to speak to on any of those points briefly, just kind of as we're kind of heading toward wrap up? Absolutely. Um, you know, again, curriculum, whether watching the news or being personally involved in a school with their own student, I think all of us have seen some um, flaws in some type of curriculum, whether it's in science or social. We, we have seen, e even with math, uh, Virginia recently yeah. in the news. So I think all of us have seen some frailty in, um, in the curriculum. I, I think for me, as we focus on curriculum to understand that um, stakeholders do have, um, we can be agents of change in the formation of curriculum. And when curriculum comes out that there's something that, that's fundamentally wrong or goes against um, our worldview, we can cry foul uh, and, and bring it to the attention of the local school board um, and say, you know, this, this is wrong, we need to reevaluate this. Uh, we have a say in that, we don't have to just, you know, put our hands behind our backs, sit, sit down and say, all right, we're just going to take it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's our responsibility. As far as government and policy, um, again, I, I think us getting involved, knowing who you're voting for, um, running yourself, I think those, those are fundamental. I, I, what I found when I was running for an office is as I was going around to all the forums with folks that were running for much higher offices, uh, representatives and senators and things. We were all, it was a big election year. We were all going around the same circuit together, speaking at forums. They're, the majority of people are just voting for who they saw on a sign on the side of the road, how many commercials they can remember. And I think we have to be informed. And I yeah, think that yeah. would help. Uh, as far as faith and morality, that is absolutely one of my passions. I mean, it, it's who I am. Um, and, and I think for students and teachers alike and parents, we need to understand that even the ACLU, which has traditionally been against religion and trying to solidify that separation of church and state, there are ACLU fought and won lawsuits that protect certain elements of our religion in the classroom. Um, I just think it's a matter of there's a lot of teachers from experience. There are a lot of teachers that don't really know what they can do, what they can't, what they can say, what they can't. And so to err on the side of safety, because that's their job, that's their income, they check their faith in at the door of the classroom. Let me uh, just add something there, if I could, too. Um, there are many states that have laws on the books regarding education that give specific guidance on yes. faith, faith, initiatives, faith, you know, it's not specific to a particular faith, but, but there are 
there are leeways there and uh, even things that are encouraged uh, because, you know, historically it's, it's just known if you want to have a well-rounded citizen, they have to be well-rounded. And uh, a lot of times people just don't know uh, what's going on there. And as a result, um, you know, they, they, it just gets run right over. And, and you cannot deny, you cannot deny the influence Christianity specifically has had in the formation and the creation of this country, of our constitution, yeah, it's true. Um, of our educational systems, um, the influence the Bible has had. And so as teachers, yes, we have laws, even in Virginia, that protect us as educators to teach it as long as it's historically accurate and it's related to what we are teaching. So there's a lot of freedoms there. And I think for me, I would advocate when we're talking about faith and morality for educators to be informed, to read the law, to find out what they can and can specific, can't and can't specifically do. Um, and students, pretty much every state, including Virginia, you have an open pass. I mean, you have pretty much freedom to do whatever you want as long as you are not um, hurting somebody else. If, if yes. you want to invite someone to church, you can do that. If you want to talk about your relationship with God, you can do that. If you want to raise your hand at Christmas and ask your teacher, can you teach us about the meaning of Christmas and have that dialogue? You can do that. Um, teachers are much more restricted than students, but even in that relationship, if a student asks a teacher a specific question, that teacher can answer um, through their, their lens of faith and worldview. Um, so again, I would just encourage at our church, we uh, make sure that our children and our youth groups are educated on what they can and cannot do in the classroom uh, with their faith. And um, I would encourage our teachers to do the same um, and for parents to know about the policy, because there are often times that um, might not be often. It just might be they reported on a lot. They're in our face through the media. But there are times that kids will be told something that they can't do or can't say, and they're shut down because of their religious beliefs. Um, but parents being informed and knowing, um, they can advocate for their, their student in, in, a, in a correct and appropriate way. Um, so that, that's huge for me. Um, I, I think faith and, and morality are, are big, and I don't think faith should be confined. I think it should be celebrated. You can't change, you can't check who you are at the door. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, let, let one, one quick example, my wife years ago brought a student home and this was a student that was very ornery, a, a disciplined, uh, active student, and um, berated my wife at many occasions. And my wife brought her home, and she looked at my wife, and she said, why are you always so nice to people? And I don't know what my wife's reply was, but her next reply, the student looked at her as, as somebody that's not in the faith world, somebody that is very rebellious and angry, and said, well, you know what, Mrs. McCracken, you must be one of those real Christians. Um, you know, I, I think for teachers to understand, you don't have to bring a Bible yeah. through all of the classroom with you. Just live out who you are. But I think the tragedy is sometimes we feel we can't even do that. So for faith and morality, I would just say teachers, students, parents, be informed on what the laws are, uh, what the policies are, and act accordingly. But you will find great freedom and liberty even in that. Okay, so any final word to our listeners? I do. I, I just want to address the issue of bullying. And it is something I'm Excellent. completely passionate about. Um, and, and it won't be long. It's just simply this. I think that our students have so many distractions in the classroom as it is. 
Um, we have a lot of dysfunctional families. We have a lot of the divorce rate is high. We have kids that are struggling um, and they get into a classroom and sometimes often that classroom is not the safe place that it needs to be. And as you know, as an educator, in order for us to teach our kids, as conducive to learning is a safe environment. Right. Um, and bullying has infiltrated 160,000 students every day absent themselves from public schools for fear of bullying. That is a huge number. Over 60% of students say, I have been bullied physically, relationally, or verbally in a school. And that's witnessed by 88% of people. It's not happening just between one-on-one -on -one and a dark alley. There are people watching. Just in the news today, there was a fight in, Miami, in the Miami airport, two groups of people fighting, and it wasn't a fair fight. It was one person down and another just over and over and, and the same over here. And that was tragic in itself. But to see the number of people walking around and videotaping it, not one person, I mean, I watched for like three minutes, tackled any one of those people and, and stopped it. Uh, they just watched and recorded it. 60% um, of our students are being bullied in school, in the classroom. 88% uh, is being, uh, watches it, witnesses it. Uh, here's the thing. If we can somehow equip, enable, and empower that witnessing demographic to intervene, and yes. there, there does not have to be any established relationship. You can be a brand new first-time student, not know the perpetrator or the victim, and just say, stop, that's not right. 57% of the time, it stops within 10 seconds. That is huge. And cyberbullying is an issue. Bullying is not what it used to be. When I was bullied at school, I could go home in my neighborhood, hang around my friends and be absolutely safe. It follows you now through social media. Your phone is going off with notifications, with bullying. Um, it is a completely different thing. Cyberbullying is huge. And if you look at school policy, District to district in our country, it is not keeping current and updated with cyberbullying. Um, and yet the statistics are pretty much the same. Um, people that are cyberbullied, it's higher than the 60% traditional bullying. It's up to 80%. But the people that see it are about the same. And the results of stepping up and saying stop, even on social media, it shuts it down almost the same. Um, so my, my passion is... Um, to equip, enable, empower, engage the peer witnessing demographic to intervene during a bullying incident. I think 160,000 students, and that's pretty much self-reporting, uh, which is generally low. A day missing school is huge. I think 60% of kids in our classrooms say they're being bullied is huge. I think 80% of kids say that they were cyberbullied in the course of their educational career is huge. And if we have the information that can flip that switch and stop bullying 57% of the time within 10 seconds. I think that's something we need to focus more on. Well, I agree. And so that needs to be done. Uh, how can we do that? And so let's speak to that. We're, we're back. Who are the key stakeholders that help infuse that mindset into the observer? Yeah. So the traditionally every school has an anti-bullying program. This is not something new. It's, it's happened for decades. Uh, but generally speaking, even to date, most of those anti-bullying initiatives focus on the victim or the bully. And it's usually um, discipline for the perpetrator and it's counseling for the victim. Not much emphasis or light has been put on that, the power that that witnessing demographic has, which is the reason we have adults in a Miami airport 
just going around videotaping it. Um, it's all a matter of training. It's developing, creating, or using ones that are already in existence, um, anti-bullying initiatives that spend as much time, if not more, on the peer model than the, just the, the two components. And so Roanoke County is, is one of those that I'm very proud to be involved in. Um, and one of the things that I brought to the table when, when I sat down with the leaders at central office to say, all right, let, let's address this issue was when it comes to training, let's not keep training limited to teachers and administration in central office. Let's bring that training to the parents. They are the greatest stakeholder and the biggest advocate of that student. Let's bring this anti-bullying to students from elementary, middle school, which are the two greatest um, uh, part of that demographic, the student body that, that is more apt to um, do what we're asking them to do. Um, but also to the bus drivers, to the cafeteria workers, to the janitorial staff, that is unheard of. I have never heard of a school district that is incorporating training with to everybody, but I think it is absolutely vital. But it, it's, it's getting to that elementary, middle school-ish level where children are cognitively getting to the point that they, they know what empathy is, they understand what empathy is. Research is showing that the reason they're not speaking out isn't because they don't have a moral compass. They don't know that that's wrong. The reason they're not speaking out is because, number one, they don't know if it, what to do. There's no real policy and structure in the school, uh, a mechanism in place. And number two, they don't know if it's going to make a difference. Um, and, and so I think training is fundamental. We just need to train our kids um, to use their empathy and, and know that they can make a difference. And isn't that the goal of education anyway, to create citizens that are active, that are vital, um, that are good citizens, uh, yes. Plato stuff. Um, and that's what a good citizen does. A good citizen is my brother's keeper. And so I, I, I think we can make a difference. We just need to, um, as all stakeholders advocate for, let's involve that peer intervention model uh, when it comes to bullying. One, I believe one of the greatest distractions in the halls of education today, which leads to depression, obesity, ostracizing, and unfortunately, even suicide. Wow. Thank you, Tom, for unpacking that for us today. I'm sure there are a lot of people that are going to enjoy that session and hopefully take that and implement some practice wherever they are. Thanks so much for tuning in with us today. That's what we're all about here at Noah Webster Educational Foundation. We want to make it easier for you to engage with your local government and school system, whether you're a parent, educator, legislator, or simply a concerned citizen. Curious how you can make a difference? Join the conversation today on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Learn about more ways you can help by visiting our website at www.nwef.org.